Welcome to another episode of the Fifth Quarter Conversations Beyond the X's and O's with Layson Perkins and Jeff Osterman. And joining us tonight from the from here in the RDU area is someone that I have have followed over the years through associations I have in business, but also through LinkedIn. He's an author. He's a speaker. He is the chief energy officer. You name it, he's doing it, and he's doing it in a great way. And that's Larry Long Jr. Larry, thank you for joining us. Hey, what's going on, Coach? Great to see you, LP. Coach J.O., I'm happy to be here. Just got to make sure my microphone is turned on. Super excited to be here with y'all. Let's start with the new book. Uh, You just came out with a book, Jolt. And, you know, we love the word energy as coaches. You know, it's something that we talk about on a constant basis. But what does energy mean to you? Oh, we that's a great question. I I guess I should have consulted with Webster. Uh, <laughs> I don't know the official definition, but when I think about energy, I really think of power. What, what's your power source? Where 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 do you gather that inspiration, that 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 juice, if you know what I mean? And I don't know if I'm I'm giving you a clear definition, but for me, it's one of those things that you can feel a lot easier than you can describe. Oh, I I can feel it. (laughs) Well, we know that energy is kind of like a virus. It can be transmitted really easily and and caught on. So how do you transmit energy? How do you spread energy within a sales team or within an athletic team or or, or within a business? Just in life. I mean, come on now. Don't don't make me put my mask on. <laughs> we want to make sure that our energy is contagious. And I tell you, your energy is either it's one of two things. It's either positive or womp, womp, it's negative. And it's not just what you say, but it's also how you say it. It's not just what you do, but how you do it. A lot of it is that feel and you can feel energy. So it's it's uh, it, it, in terms of transferring it, it really it's got to be genuine because people can smell BS from a mile away if it's not genuine. Now, now some people say, oh, you have to manufacture energy. Eh, maybe. But why manufacture? Why not just get the real deal inspiration, the real deal feeling that, hey, I'm energized. I'm excited. I'm optimistic. I'm happy to be here. There's nothing that beats that. And when you have a team filled with people that have that great energy, dynamite in the words of the great philosopher, J.J. Walker. Absolutely. Now, what about if you have someone on your team that is that kind of at that low energy point? How do you bring them up? Can you bring them up? Ooh, I hate to say it, but you got to cut it. <laughs> now, I'm never, I'm never going to count anyone out. But uh, there, there's something about having a crab pot on the team that can really just just drag the whole team down. So it's one of those things where I don't know if you can teach energy. You can certainly guide. You can certainly model it. But I believe it's got to come from inside. And you can strongly encourage folks that, hey, this is how we roll. These are the expectations. If you want to be a part of this team, this organization, and if you're not there, it's okay. Do you boo boo, but you just can't be a part of our team because we're going this way and womp womp, you're going that way. In the words of my man, Steve Harvey, family feud survey says, (laughs) for me, it's one of those that's non-negotiable. If you're 
If you're a negative Nancy, a negative Nelly, negative Ned, I apologize if anyone tuning in is named Nancy, Ned, or Nelly, but uh, you can't be on my team. Larry, I'm the CEO. I just hire you. What you meet with your sales team, what's that opening meeting like? Take me through that. Yeah, it's uh, so I might have the gold mic, but Jeff, I'm going to be honest. Here goes exactly how that sales meeting goes. Great to see your team. Talk to me. I'm all ears to hear from them. And once again, I want to hear what they're saying. I want to hear how they're saying it. I want to learn from them, their experiences, how things are today, how they want things to be, any recommendations they have in terms of the path and the journey that we can take. Because before I come in saying, this is the way it's got to be, whoa, whoa, slow down. (laughs) Slow down. Who do you think you are? This is our team. You're the newbie. So I'm very um, deliberate in terms of listen. And when you listen, you can learn. And I think they say when you learn, you can earn. And we all want to earn. We all want to win. We all want to excel in life. I think that we most people have that in common. So for me, it's really talk to me. So we as coaches, obviously, we're selling education. We were selling dreams, the whole thing. But coaches sell all the time. So if this is a sales meeting, how are you incorporating that initial sales? You've listened to them. You've heard it. But what is that, you know, fire speech to get them to meet goal? Yeah, well, it it all comes down to their why. So I'm listening for what is passionate for them. So you, Coach Jeff. Your why and what you're passionate about is probably going to be different from Coach Layson. So essentially, I'm going to cater what I can deliver for you versus it's going to be different from the problems that I can solve for Layson. Layson might want to be a professional for you. You might just want to get that piece of paper. So not only do I have to listen, but I've got to use this thing that we have in here called a brain and some critical thinking to figure out how do I tailor my message. And This is just me. I believe we're all selling. I don't care what your title is. If you're an educator, you're selling. If you're in a relationship, you're selling. If you go to an interview, you better be selling yourself. But my definition of sales is twofold. Number one, I think it's a transfer of energy. And if you have low energy, that's going to transfer. Number two, I think we're playing matchmaker. You're matching whatever you have. It could be a product. It could be a service. It could be a thought, an idea with someone else's, their needs, their wants, their desires, their challenges, their problems, their hopes, their dreams, their aspirations. You can't understand that unless you listen to them, unless you ask. I think Tony Robbins says the most successful people ask, I'll substitute the toughest questions. Therefore, they get the best answers. You got to ask the tough questions to get the best answers and figure out how can I play matchmaker? How can I sell? So once I figure that out, I can inspire almost anybody. But hey, we all know inspiration, it comes and it goes. Transformation. Transformation, my belief is it comes from within. It comes with a commitment. It comes with a discipline. It comes with a whole different level of being that, hey, I'm in it to win it. And I'm willing to do anything. I'm ready to knock anything I need to 
to get to where I want to get to. There's not many folks that are committed. There's a lot of folks that are kind of uh, noodling. They're, they're kind of playing at it, unfortunately. But when you find someone that's 100% committed, woo, I would say the sky's the limit. But to be honest with you, Coach, there is no limit. So we've given it a month, a couple months. Lason is the square peg round hole in your company. How are you dealing with the employee that is resentful or not accepting to new leadership? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try my best to dig in and understand why. And at some point, and what I've learned in my career, sooner rather than later, which is tough because I've got a heart. I care. I call it the give a dang factor. I care about people, but I also realize that that one person can really harm the entire organization. So we're going to have a heart to heart. I'm going to lay it out on the line. If he wants to lay it out on the line, that's great. But essentially, we're going to figure out either it's a fit or it's not. <laughs> and if it's not, hey, I'm going to assist you with finding that next best chapter in your professional career, in your athletic career, but we've got to move on because we're on a mission. We've got a vision. And if you're not on, on board, yeah. I mean, uh, there's a lot of folks out there that just complain and complain and complain. And my advice to them is if you're in someone else's sandbox, you better play by their sandbox rules. If you want to complain and you want something different, go build your own sandbox. Go figure that out on your own and be good. But there's people that go out on their own and they're still complaining. I, I've got family members. We go to family reunions and I'm not going to say her name, but I got an aunt that said, who made this broccoli and rice casserole? It's too salty. You made it. You're just complaining just to complain. And I'll be honest with you, Jeff. I don't have time for it. Life is too short. I think the millennials say YOLO. I, I said, would you call me? Don't make me pull out my bag. I know it's pink. They said, no, Larry, you only live once. I said, oh, now you're talking my language. Carpe diem. I, I, I know y'all are both Latin scholars. Seize the day. Larry, I love it. How about an employee? You guys are together. They're on the right bus, but they've disagreed with a directive. How have you handled that? Conversation is key, as is relationships. So I'm a big believer of, hey, let's communicate. What's going on? What's, what, what's your opinion? And I don't mind people testing out. I mean, it's, I got a 13-year-old son, a nine-year-old daughter. I know all about pushing the boundaries. But there's a time and a place and um, I, I also like uh, folks that beg for forgiveness instead of, hey, give it a try. You never know. So for me, I like to encourage that. But there's also a time and a place where, hey, we've got to do it this way because there's a reason behind it. And if they have a reason why they want to veer, let's talk about it. Let, let's uh, I call it FITFO. And I don't know if HR is in the house, but FITFO stands for figure it the Freak out, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> Larry, you, you've pivoted recently from full-time sales development, running team, sales teams now to a full-time professional speaker. Talk about that change. And as you're talking to audiences, 
what are they missing? That what are they what are they missing in their teams and in their organizations right now that you're you're being able to, to bring them? Yeah. So question number one, that transition, it uh it has been quite the journey, quite the adventure, and even the misadventure mixed in there. But hey, I'm still standing. Well, actually, I'm sitting right now, but I'm still here. Who would have thunk it? When was the last time you met an author that used that word thunk? I'm I'm not like anyone else, but it, it's been awesome. I've lived, uh, I've learned, I've loved what I'm doing. I've impacted lives and I'm just enjoying, I'm living the dream. In terms of teams, I've been so fortunate to work with teams, uh, corporate, software, uh, nonprofits, colleges, universities, athletic teams. Uh, I'll say a big one. And uh, a lot of my work, recently has been remote. It's the interpersonal. I had one company and their fortune, their fortune 100, they called me in and they said, hey, Larry, can you help us out? Our reps need some, how do I call this, business etiquette? Uh, and they shared with me that there were reps showing up for meetings and flip-flops. This isn't Zoom. You, you can't have the mullet outfit on in person. Uh, they weren't coming with something to write with. They were on their phone while the prospects were, were were trying to chat with them. Where do they do that at? But essentially, you can blame the person. And I believe in taking individual responsibility. But sometimes folks just haven't been taught or it hasn't been reinforced. And when you have that creep in terms of professionalism, in terms of just general decorum. I, my mom used to say, hey, Larry, common sense isn't all too common. It's those interpersonal relationships. I just did an event last night for the uh, American Marketing Association, their transitions group. And you could tell that people were still trying to feel out, hey, I'm, we're in person. How how do we interact in person? Because we're so used to these Brady box, the bunch of the, the boxes, Brady bunch boxes, we don't know. Sometimes we don't know how to act when we get in person with folks. So that that's one of the biggest, I'll call it an opportunity area. If you can really manage the interpersonal relationships, you're, you're going to be dynamite. <laughs> Another quote from the great philosopher of Chicago, Jimmy J.J. Walker. So I would think that a way for a team leader to build that, to build that interpersonal relationship is within those one-on-ones. Yeah. And being in sales, I could tell you, there's been times I hated one-on-ones. I, I, will, I will tell you, the person that you and I talked about before the, broad, before the broadcast, he was an exception. Because right. the one-on-ones right. with him was more about what can I do to help you right now versus what the F is wrong with your numbers. Talk about the difference. Yeah, well, the, the person that we shared, and I hope it's okay to mention his name, Nick Truman, we're talking about you, buddy. He cares. Pardon my French, but it's the give a damn factor. And once again, we're doing sales externally, but leaders are doing sales internally all the time in those one-on-ones and every interaction, whether it's over the phone, whether it's on a Zoom, whether it's via email, people, they can smell. They can they can smell whether you care about them or not. If you're BSing, it stinks. And, and people are just like, nah, I'm not. I mean, I'm sure 
that Nick, you would do anything. You would run through a wall for him because you know that he has your back. You know that he actually cares about you and your success, whether you're in those four walls or whether it's just in life. And those types of leaders, unfortunately, are very tough to find. There's a lot of folks that lead by PowerPoint, lead by spreadsheet. Let's look at the numbers. And yes, that's important. That's how we keep the lights on. If you're a coach, you 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 uh, put food on your table by wins and losses, preferably the wins. Definitely understood. But we're all in the people business. And if you take care of your people, the wins are going to add up. That's just my belief. Can you get away with it by psh, psh, being hard? There's examples of it. That's just not my style. That's not the way that I believe in it. But I don't know. I love to see those leaders that actually care about the people because that's the human element. I'll give you an example and then I'll, I'll move on. I, I get off on tangents, but my mentor, Mark Winchester, love you, Mark. He has just inspired me. I actually, I co-authored a book and the chapter was called The Little Things Are Really the Big Things. And I'll give you two things that Mark did. Before he started, he wrote a handwritten note, mailed it to my house. That was cool. Yeah, nice handwritten note. But what he did is he mailed a, a postcard to my wife. And it was something to the effect of behind every good man is a great woman. Oh, my goodness. My Angelou said it best. People will forget what you said. They'll forget what you did. They'll never forget how you made them feel. We were going to the Great Wolf Lodge. Mark knew he called ahead. He left. It was either 50 or $100. It, it was some money. He left a gift card for us. Just that gesture alone, I'll never forget. I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't, he didn't warn me in advance. He just did it from the goodness of his heart. And here goes the kicker. I lost my father a little over seven years ago. I had lunch with Mark at the Sunflower Cafe right there um, close to, I think it's Mer uh, Meredith Peace College. And I lost my father the next day. Mark took a day trip from North Carolina up to Maryland to be there for the uh, viewing. Uh, he didn't tell me he was coming. He didn't even, I don't even think we spoke. I think he gave me a hug and just said, I'm thinking about you. I'll never forget that for, for the entirety of my, of my life. That's a true leader right there. True leader. In, in my opinion, if you're, if you're not going to bat for your people like that, eh, you're faking it. You're faking oh, no, it. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. So let's say I'm in, let's say I'm an SDR or I'm an AE in a situation where I'm not getting coaching. I'm, I'm getting the sense that my manager, the only thing he cares about is the numbers, and I'm not getting that sense of he really wants to help get me promoted or he wants to make sure I'm on the right path. Should I speak up or should I just up and find the next opportunity and, and, and move on? Yeah, both of them, but you got to give him a chance, uh, him or her a chance, and I, I'm going to share with you. You're not alone. So, so here goes the plan. You got to devise a plan, a communication plan of letting your leader, leader in name, know what your expectations are, what you're looking for. Give them a chance to either deliver or pretty much say, hey, I heard you, but it went in one ear, out the other. I didn't really hear you. I don't really care. I don't have that give a dang factor. Move on. Fight off. Uh, forget about it. Drive on. But there's also that responsibility for that from that person in the mirror. 
So you've got to look in the mirror and I want you to ask yourself, what am I doing to help train myself? There, there's a thing. And I mean, we've all got encyclopedias at, at, at our fingertips. That's my son right there. That's my little man right there. But uh, we, we all have resources and tools, both uh, content, trainings, and people that we can leverage to help elevate our game. So we can't put the entire onus on the organization or the leader. They do have a responsibility but if you don't take ownership and and by that, I'll give you an example from sports. My parents bought me a solo hitter. I told them, I said, hey, I want to play varsity as a freshman in high school. They said, OK, we're going to give you the tool that you can use to hopefully work your way to it. But we can't do it for you. They gave me the plan. Come home from school. Finish your homework. Number one. Practice your clarinet number two, 30 minutes, and then go ahead and take 100 good swings off the solo hitter. That took commitment. That took dedication. It took discipline. My friends, they're out at the roller skating rink. They're out at the mall. I'm down in my basement taking 100 swings. Let me ask you this. Do you think I started on varsity as a freshman? I should have been a lawyer because I'm asking questions that I already know the answer to. Of course, because I worked my way into it. I'm a little dude. I'm five foot nine. I round up to six, but I'm a little dude. There's no way I should have been starting on varsity in high school. There's no way I should have been a four-year starter at University of Maryland in the ACC. But essentially, how bad do you want it? In the words of, of the great Les Brown, are you hungry? I was hungry, and I still am. I just got done eating dinner. I'm hungry in a different way now. <laughs> Larry, I love it. You know, you're with your sales team. How do you, the room, you have people in that room that are get to do something or they have to do something. How do you get those people on the same page? Yeah, it's all about perspective. And I, one thing that I've learned is it is tough to change people if they don't want to change themselves. It's um, I hate to compare it because it's not a comparison, but it's kind of like I, I have uh, relatives that struggle with substance abuse and I'm here to support. But until you want it in your heart, until you've made it up in your mind, until you've said it out loud in your actions. So if you're one of those where I have to do this versus this is an opportunity, I get the opportunity to do it. it I can be here to support you. I can provide you guidance. I can show you that I care to a point. But once it gets to that point where it gets past that line, we're going to have to go our own separate ways. And I'm going to model. I'm going to share. I'm going to guide folks to uh, align with the vision and the mission and the the way we operate on our team. I think they call it SOPs, standard operating procedure. but You've got to make the choice. I, I say this to folks that I really mean it. I say it to my kids when I drop them off for carpool. Make it a great day. It's your choice. It's your choice. It's not my choice. When I wake up in the morning, I make the choice because I could be grumpy. I could be sad. I could be woe is me. I mean, I've been married 16 years, 16 and a half years. I got two kids. 
I go through this four letter word called life, just like everyone else. And I had the same stuff that happens, but I make a choice that I'm going to control the controllables, which is how I treat other people. It's my emotions. It's my actions and my attitude outside of that. I can't, I can't control it. So why am I going to, I'm hashtag too blessed to be stressed. Why am I going to get all up in arms? And those are the people that I want to roll with on my team. So that's why it's so important. And I share this with teams, your talent. And it's not just, you can have the most skilled individual, but if their attitude needs a big adjustment, they're doing you more harm than good. I've worked with sales professionals that were like a live ATMs. They were just closing deals, but they were doing it at the expense of customer success, support, their colleagues. They were lying. It's just like survey says, we can't have that. We want to we want to excel, but we also want to do it the right way with the right attitude while we lift each other up and we really sow into other people. That, that's just my belief. That's that's my two cents. It's not even worth a nickel. <laughs> so, Larry, you get the knock on the door. Employee comes in. They're on your page, but they're the ones that are really, really hard on themselves. You know, at the end of the day, they're just their worst critic. How do you convey, what tips do you give them to, you know, get them to, to the better point? Wow. That's a great question right there, coach Jeff. I am that person and I'm working with a coach who shared with me, Larry, you got to give yourself grace. And I agree. But then she broke it down and shared that me being hard on myself. I think they call it self-deprecation it's not further. It's not getting me any further. It's actually holding me back because our words and our thoughts have power. And this is chapter one of my book, Joel. What story are you telling yourself? And you could be speaking it. You could be writing it. You could be thinking it. But what story are you telling yourself and believing I just made a post earlier today that talked about SMART goals. And my belief is SMART goals are dumb. I like specific. I like measurable. I like time bound. I do not. I mean, I hate attainable and realistic. Who's to say what's attainable? Who's to say what's realistic? If I was setting attainable and realistic goals, I never would have wrote this book. I wasn't the strongest writer. I, I talk a lot, but writing, ooh, Oh, you told any of my middle elementary or high school teachers, English teachers, I wrote a book. They would say, where's Ashton Kutcher? Am I getting punked? There's no way that punk Larry Long Jr. wrote a book. You better shut your mouth. But I did it. This is unattainable, unrealistic. So for that person who's hard on themselves, it's really digging in and understanding is there fear behind it? Where does this originate from? What's the root cause? And then what can we do? What actions can we take? Uh, this, is a, this is a great, write this down to everyone listening. You need a brag book. All the times that you've had success, all the times that people have given you praise, Hercules, Hercules, and not just your mom or your grandma, but all the folks, you need to capture that and have it readily available. If you check out my LinkedIn profile, and this is a little secret, I'm going to tell y'all, my LinkedIn profile, I think I have 219 recommendations. Whenever I'm feeling down, whenever I'm feeling, and this 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 happens to me, oh, 
ooh, I can't do this. What, who in the world do I think that I am? I take it back to that brag book and it just, oh, yeah, I'm, I am a conqueror. I can do this. I am somebody. It's amazing that when you, I think Jim Rohn says, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Well, it's also what you put in. And when you're consuming good stuff and, and encouraging things, it just boosts you up. It's kind of like magic, but it's not magic. There, there is no magic pixie dust or silver bullet, but it's really implementing strategies to figure out what works for you. I was just on a session. It was a University of Maryland, Go Terps, uh, alum session, and they were talking about breath work. And I'm sure this won't surprise you. I very rarely stop to breathe. I mean, I don't know how I breathe, but I just go, go, go. But it caused me to slow down, focus on my breathing in, my breathing out, how it felt, how it sounded. And it was so uncomfortable. I mean, I was, my mind was racing, but I felt so refreshed afterwards, which is why we're here late at night and let's go. <laughs> Larry, we've all been in meetings, long, short, effective, not. Give me a great Larry meeting with the team. Give me length. Give me where you're sitting, how we're speaking. Take me through a meeting. Yeah, be best meeting. And I learned this uh, at my last corporate uh, corporate stop at a company called Teamworks in downtown Durham. The best meeting is when Larry doesn't say a word. When it's run by the team and it's driven by the team. Because, and I'm guilty of this, it ain't the Larry Long Jr. show, unless I get hired and I'm on stage. But even then, people want to be a part of it. And people, what I've learned is people have so many amazing ideas, but oftentimes they're not in an environment that nurtures that. So a, a Monday morning meeting, hey, welcome team, talk to me about your weekend. Somebody, anybody, everybody scream, tell me something good. Hey, what are you most excited about this week? Is it a deal? Is it your daughter's dance, the daddy-daughter dance? Let's go ahead and really talk at this human level about what's going on. So that's, I mean, in terms of length, do we really need more than 22 minutes? I don't think. We can get most things done in 22 minutes if we stay focused, if we have an agenda, but what happens is it's kind of like my old college baseball practices. Our theme was hurry up and wait. <laughs> That's how most of these meetings are. It's like 60 minutes. What are we doing? We leave here and yeah, there was information exchange, but there's no action items. There's no accountability. We're not really making progress. I think it's, uh, I think it's the book Spin Selling by Neil Rackham. And he talks about the difference between a continuation which most meetings that we have, we got to meet again because it's just a series of continuations, the dog chasing his tail versus in advance. And when we're advancing, there's crystal clear next steps. And by who? There's crystal clear accountability. And there's just a feeling, you can just feel the energy that, wow, that was productive versus most meetings are, I will never get that time back in my life. I'm not sure I understand. Even Siri didn't understand those, those long meetings that we've all been a part of. 
Uh, that's great, 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 great stuff. Larry, onboarding is such a key, vital process to get a new employee into the culture and how things operate. But now with Curveball, there's a lot of virtual onboarding. How are you as a leader connecting to the new employee and really getting them up to speed and you know building that trust and communication? I love it. Intentionality. And it's realizing that, hey, we are not in person, so we're not going to have those hallway conversations. We're not going to have as many of the residual, but it's really being intentional. And here goes here goes one of the things I absolutely love for my new hires. And I'm primarily sales, but this is everyone in the organization. I call it the get to know your colleagues challenge. Get to know your colleagues. There's questions that you need to capture from them. And information that you need to share with them. Because once again, relationships are so critical. So you talked about onboarding, which is the initial onboarding. But I believe onboarding, continue. I think they call it continuing education, but we're always onboarding. And for me, I like to break it down in the five, kind of like the five tool player. We'll call these the five buckets of being a good professional, especially professional sales. Number one is the company. How well do you know the company, the who, what, when, where, why, and how of what we do, the mission, the vision, the core values, the priorities, the way that we operate and move? Are you beginner, which when you're onboarding, you are, can you elevate that to intermediate? Can you elevate that to expert? Oh, you're an expert. No, can't rest on your laurels. How do we get you to be a SME? I'm not calling you a name. I didn't say Smurf. I said SME, subject matter expert. So that's the company, the industry or industries that we serve. How well do you have the pulse, boom, 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 of what's going on right now? What's happened in the past? What's on the horizon in the future? Number three, the product. You should know the product inside and out. Oh, wait. That's a tough one for some sales professionals. They don't understand the product and the problems that their product solves. Number four, the tools and the resources. I'm going to do the Aaron Rodgers discount double check. What do you have on your tool belt and how effective are you at using those tools, whether it's Salesforce, whatever CRM you use, whether it's call intelligence, whether it's that chat I don't know, chat GPS, I'm just messing, chat GPT, do you understand what's going on with tools and resources? And number five, last but not least, your actual sales acumen, business acumen, and sales skills. How well are you at managing your time? Show me your calendar, I can show you what's important to you. How well are you at prospecting, discovery? Uh, How well are you at overcoming objections, giving a demo, negotiating, closing, pipeline management? You name it, you should always be looking to tighten up your skills. And I know that Allen Iverson is listening in. And you know how I know? Because we're talking about practice. When was the last time you actually practiced your sales skills. When was the, action, the the last time that you intentionally said, I'm going to learn something new about the industry and industries that we serve? I'm going to learn what keeps people up at night. I want to learn what are some of the trends they're seeing. I'm going to learn the history because I know I can learn so much from the history of the industry to help me make decisions on where it's going in the future. Oh, this is next level right now. Let's up level to be subject matter experts and never stop. In the words of that great philosopher, P. Diddy, can't stop, won't stop. 
Larry, you, you mentioned Chat GPT earlier, and and I know that that has been a hot topic, Ooh. you know, within sales as well as just artificial artificial intelligence. What's your take? What what, what are you thinking on it? Woo! I, I got to put on the blue blocker glasses to think about this one. I'm still trying to figure it out, but I, I love the potential, the possibilities of having another tool. Now that tool has to be used correctly or else we are going to have a bunch of robots. And I believe that that's really, I've got job security because I have a brain and I can critically think and I tend to try my best to actually use my brain to make decisions. But if we're just going to rely on artificial intelligence for everything, uh-oh, there's going to be a lot of clones out there. So I think that the best folks combine critical thinking, combine the emotion and the energy of themselves along with AI. So chat GPT, uh, G GPT, I I'm, I'm mixing all the letters up, alphabet soup. I think it's awesome. Bring it all. <laughs> because once again, knock, knock, opportunity is knocking. And those folks that are able to be intentional, those folks that actually put some time, deliberate time in learning some of the ins and the outs, they're going to flourish, especially now as we're getting shaken up. There's a lot of stuff going with the economy, that dreaded R word, not uh, not revenue, but I think they call it recession. There is opportunity knocking right at our fingertips. And uh, the question is, are you going to answer the door? And if you do answer it, are you? you ready no doubt you also mentioned you mentioned a word there's also a word that's been going a lot around lately and that's layoffs Ooh. and it's affecting everyone and and so yeah. from your vantage point i know there's certain things i can control there's certain things i have no control over if you were sitting down and you're talking to uh, you know an ae a sales rep a sales director what advice are you giving them to kind of manage through this turbulent time yeah, you, you mentioned it, control the controllables. Here, here goes something tactical. And uh, I'm just going to share from my experience. When I was working in corporate America, my last two corporate spots uh, stops, uh, Teamworks and before that, Pendo. I was employee number 40 at Pendo. I think they're close to 1,000 employees. Um, I slept well at night. Even when we were going through layoffs, I, I got my good sleep. I, I I don't have to get beauty sleep. You can tell by looking at me. And the reason why I did is because my network, and I think they say your network is your net worth. That, that's debatable. But essentially, I do know that it's not what you know, and it's not even who you know, but it's who knows you and who trusts you and who likes you and who believes in you that really makes things happen. So I was really fortunate and kind of fell into it that I had built a network on LinkedIn of folks that knew me, folks that like me. I don't know how that happened. Uh, anything is possible, as Kevin Garnett would say. They trusted me and they believed in me where I knew that if something were to pop off, yeah, I would be hurt. The ego would be hurt, but I was going to be okay. All I had to do was make a call on the bat phone and say, hey, I'm a free agent. I'm ready to take my talents to South Beach or wherever. I was going to be good. So my encouragement is, if you're in transition, or even if you're not officially in transition, operate as if you are in transition. 
Go ahead and build those strong relationships so that you can get a good night's sleep. Just like I did. <laughs> because once again, when people know you, they like you, they trust you, you're going to be A-OK regardless of the layoffs, regardless of what corporate America decides they need to do. And once again, um, it's interesting to hear corporate two years ago talking about our family. We ain't family. <laughs> this is business. This ain't personal. This is business. You got to do what you got to do. And I got to do what I got to do. I've had this conversation in corporate settings about, Larry, you're spending a lot of time on LinkedIn. Well, did I hit my goal? Check the Carfax. Is, is my number? Am I at my number? All right, then back up. I'm okay. I'm doing what I need to do because when you do what you need to do, I'm going to be all right. But there's still organizations out there that are still telling their folks, ah, don't be on LinkedIn. You're building a personal brand. Ah, blah, 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 blah. As long as I'm taking care of my business with you, back up off me. That's my philosophy. No, I no, I agree with your philosophy. And I, and, and we both know there's a right and wrong way to use LinkedIn. Right. I mean, there's there's some people who are just abusing it. There's other ones that are doing it the right way by building value, by creating value and sharing value. And, um, and, and with that, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, no, no. Please. I call them go-givers. If you're a go-giver and you're looking to give, you're lurk, looking to serve, you're looking to assist and help others, you're, 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 you're going to have amazing success. I think it was Zig Ziglar. I'm going to I'm gonna have to check the Carfax. But it was something to the effect of uh, if I help people get what they want, I'm never going to be without. And that's just a mindset, a philosophy, a way of operating that, hey, I'm in the service business. I'm. How can I help? How can I serve? In the words of Chick-fil-A, my pleasure. I, I don't know if y'all know I'm trying to cut down on my fried chicken, but talking about Chick-fil-A, what time is it? It's bow time. I apologize. <laughs> sales mentors, sales leaders, sales teachers. What do you look for? What what are the traits? And, and and look, I know you've shared the stage in Raleigh with two of the best in Beck Holland and and, and, and Kenan. So, yeah. what do you look for if I'm going into sales right now in this in this time period? What are the what do I look for in someone to kind of learn and to be able to to to, to gain wisdom from? Yeah. So th th this is a deep question right there because there's a lot of qualities. But for me, the top things that I'm looking for knowledge. Are you knowledgeable? Do you know your stuff? And, and it doesn't have to be necessarily from experience. That I, I posted about that last week. That, does a great sales leader have to have been a great sales professional? I don't believe so. You look at some of the best coaches uh, in athletics, they were not the best players, but they were students of the game, their knowledge. Now, being able to transfer that knowledge to others being able to care about others and others being able to connect and feel that care. That's an art and a science. And that's, I'm looking for someone who cares. And as I'm talking, I'm thinking about Nick Truman. He cares. He knows his stuff. He holds himself to a, to a higher level. I look at Beck. I look at Keenan, passion, knowledge, uh, students of whatever their respective game practice they're always looking to elevate themselves. And if I'm looking for a leader, 
I'm looking for a leader that inspires me. I don't want a leader who's a bum, a leader that's just there kind of clocking in, clocking out, checking in, checking out, doesn't really care, is just there for the paycheck, is there in spreadsheets. No, I want to see that you're actually working on yourself. I want to see that you're elevating your skills and I want to hear you share with me what you're learning. And then I want to watch you. It's kind of like my kids. My kids are watching me all the time. So I've got to make sure that I'm modeling because, Larry, it's it's not what you say. It's what you do. My mom used to say, hey, Larry, your actions speak so loud. I can't hear what you're saying. So I'm looking for a leader that has knowledge, actually cares, and is always looking to further themselves and always looking to further the team as well. They're looking to uplift everybody. I, I can go to work for a leader like that. Last question you know, from, from me. I know Jeff probably has a few more, but, you know, for someone who's, you know, there's a lot of coaches who get to the end of their career and you go, they go, you know what, I'm going to transition into sales, you know, because I think it's just a natural, natural path for, for me to, to do that. What advice do you give to those who are looking to make that transition? I know that you're a, you're a brand ambassador for a great company that's based here in the area that can help salespeople you know, do that research. Let, let's talk a little bit about, how, you know, getting that proverbial foot in the door. Yeah. And there's uh there's some folks out there. Rep view is amazing. My buddy, Darren McKee, who I just shared the stage with last week over at SAS brothers, Will Barfield, Shelton Banks in Chicago, really helping folks to get that foot in the door for tech sales. There's so many, uh, what do you call it? correlations? There's so many similarities between athletics and sales. So I encourage folks. There, there's, there's, there might come a time. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna speak it into you, but there might be a time where you're like, can I do this? Well, think back to your sports career. I'm sure there was a time for me. It was when I got to Maryland, and I remember we left UNC Greensboro, and I think I had gone 0 for five, three strikeouts. My dad said, how you feeling, little Larry? I said, I feel terrible. I stink. I don't belong in the ACC. I definitely don't belong in Division I baseball. What am I doing? And he had some choice words for me that pretty much told me I better ship, I better shape up or else I couldn't have his last name. I encourage folks to, hey, those same traits that made you successful on the ball field, on the diamond, on the pitch, on the court, those are going to be the same traits that allow you to have success in a sales career as a professional sales, sales professional, not an amateur that's kind of dilly dallying, but a true professional that works on their game, that actually cares, that is looking for opportunities to elevate their game, looking for opportunities to, to elevate their teammates and looking for opportunities for really experiences that will last a lifetime, memorable experiences, team experiences, individual challenges. If you want it, sales will give it all to you. <laughs> Maybe in one day, <laughs> all the emotions. So I'm here to encourage folks and tell them, yes, you can. You can do it. Larry, what holds teams back from succeeding? Yeah, yeah you should have been a lawyer, Jeff. You already know the answer. It's those people in the mirror. That's what it is. A lot of times, and I don't know if you want to call it head trash. I don't know if you want to call it limiting beliefs. But however you call it, a lot of times it's the team 
self-sabotage that's holding them back from their greatness. And that's why I wrote the book, Joke. I mean, the subtitle is uh, Get Zapped into Intentionality, Rediscover, and Believe in Your Inner Greatness. And just like an athletic team, baseball, you've got a team comprised of nine individuals. It's the same thing with an organization, with the team. I need all the individuals operating at a high level. I need all of us believing that we can and then stepping into that to make it happen. And if it doesn't happen, we're going to learn. We're going to learn along the way. We're going to support each other. We're going to share those learnings. So, I mean, short answer is you. <laughs> Whoever's listening to it, you are holding yourself back. You are holding back the organization. The organization is holding itself back. Let's go ahead and, and, and break loose and let's step into that greatness. A lot of times we we, we, we limit ourselves. We, we kind of cower down to, to this. I don't, I don't want no mediocre. I want greatness. I want to be thrilled. I want to be on a mission that most people say is impossible. I'm not, I'm not a spelling bee champion, but I think the word impossible is comprised of I am possible. That gets me excited right there, Coach Jeff. I love it. So my, my question is, is leadership lonely? So at times, you know, the players, they'll all go together. All the assistants, all the staff, they go their own way. And the leader at the end of the day is awful times judged alone. So is leadership lonely? It, it can be. And uh, once again, I've used the word before, intentionality. Who's the company that you keep? My encouragement is that it doesn't have to be lonely at the top or wherever you're at, but it does take intention to surround yourself with peers, with colleagues, with others that you can see eye to eye with and that you can share, you can support, you can help along the way. Hercules, Hercules, and vice versa. They got your back as well because they understand the trials. They understand the pressures, whether you're in a sales leadership, whether you're in an athletic leadership, a lot of similarities. You will be judged based on the numbers and how you go about doing it. But yes, it can feel lonely. You can feel on an island. But once again, if you surround yourself with folks that are really aligned, uh, if you have relationships with folks that are there to support, and a lot of that comes from getting rid of that ego and saying, hey, I need help. I want help. I want support. I want to be part of a, a group, of an of a organization that's going to support me along the way. And yes, we might be competitors. You might be another coach, but we can support each other along this way because I think it's a saying, I'm probably going to mess it up. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, whoa, you better team up. So I encourage folks, hey, don't be a lone wolf. Don't be a me monster. Me, 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 me. Go ahead and work with the team because we're trying to go far. I hope. Larry, what's one decision you wish you didn't make? Ooh. Ooh, that, that hurt me. I thought you said no curveballs. You know I can't. <laughs> I can't hit any ball that has wrinkles. Oh, man. This is uh, – I'm going to share my heart right there. I knew that I'd overstayed my welcome in corporate America. And uh, I made a decision to stay. 
because it was out of comfort. It was out of being scared to go out on my own. I used to own an indoor baseball and softball academy. It failed miserably. <laughs> we ran out of money. We had more money going out the back door than coming in the front door, which gave me some scar tissue. I said, oh, I don't want to put my family through what I went through when I was single with my baseball academy. So I settled and I was in positions where I knew it was time for me to move on. And this went on for years. I, I hate to say it out loud, but it went on for multiple years. It went on <laughs> Teamworks, Pendo. <laughs> I shouldn't have been in those positions, but I uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. And my encouragement for anyone out there that's listening, if you're noodling, which I was, I was noodling on it and I was scared. Like Nike said, just do it. Go for it. Now have a plan. Essentially have an intentional plan, but stop noodling. Stop noodling and just do it. You'll, you'll thank me later. Even if it's not successful, it's not a failure unless you give up. If it's, it's not a failure if you don't succeed. It's not final. You learn from it and you grow. And I look at it, my baseball academy, that helped me understand that, Larry, you better understand your numbers inside and out. The income statement, the balance sheet, the statement of cash flows. As a business owner, you've got to understand those. It's not just batting averages and RBIs and stolen bases. Second time around, I know my numbers. Now, I'm not the strongest, but I've surrounded myself with a team that helps break it down. The numbers for dummies. And I'm not calling myself a dummy, but I'm close. <laughs> so that, that would be a decision that I really... If I had a redo, if I had a mulligan, or with my golf game, I call them Gilligans. If I had a Gilligan, I would do that a little bit. I would do it a lot differently, actually. All right. We're going to start with some fun questions now, Larry. I, this, this is fun. This has been fun. We're going to have a little bit more fun now. So let's start with this one. Um, you, you, obviously, your book, you mentioned spin selling earlier. What other books have you recommended or you've gifted to others in the past that have had a had an impact on you or a, a paradigm shift? Oh man, you, you got you hit me with the fun questions now. Uh, I've got it right here. I've, I've got my uh, my keyboard on it. Yeah, can't hurt me by David Goggins. Love him or hate him. This book is powerful right there. Really talking about mindset, perspective, approach. There's another book. I don't know the author, but it's called Three Feet from Gold. And uh, it, it's from the folks, uh, the Dale Carnegie Institute and Dale Carnegie Think and Grow Rich. I was part of a Think and Grow Rich mastermind that really, it, it was very impactful. And Three Feet from Gold, I love this story because as an entrepreneur and even in life, whatever you do, oftentimes we give up. And by we, I mean collectively, we give up when we're, we're three feet away. We, we've come this far and there's a saying, I didn't come this far to come this far. Let's, let's go through the finish line. Let's not give up. Let's keep the hard rowing because we're close. It's there. And once you make it, did you really make it? What's next? What's next? So in terms of books, three feet from gold, thing and grow rich, can't hurt me. Got to be Jolt. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of great material out there. I mean, what I'm reading right now, just because I'm a student of the speaker game, I'm, I'm new. I mean, I got the platinum mic. My wife told me I was colorblind. She said it was pink. 
Lisa Matson, my pink bat. I'll call it rose gold because I'm dropping it. But I'm reading a book called The Referrable Speaker. Oh, I'm learning so much about the product being my speech, my presentation. But uh, from a sales perspective, you should be reading stuff on sales, on human psychology, on relationships. You can learn so much. And I mean, that, that's just a that's just a little sampling of, uh, of some books. Come and holler at me. I'll give you the full list. <laughs> OK, favorite glove. Rawlings, Wilson, Mizuno. What, what, what was the what was the glove back in the day? Rawlings for sure. I um, my, I don't know if it was my father's encouragement. My father ran track at University of Maryland. He didn't really know much about baseball, but uh, I was always a Rawlings guy until I went to college. And uh, college, we were sponsored by Louisville Slugger, and uh, oh, that nothing against them, but oh, that pained me to not have my Rawlings mitt. That was my that was my trusty glove right there. But just like everything in life, you get used to it. You break it in. You make an adjustment. You make it work. And Louisville Slugger was fine, but I'm Team Rawlings. Hashtag Team Rawlings all day, every day. <laughs> okay, let's let's go back to the time machine, and you were able to make it to the big show. What team did you want to play for? And who was the one pitcher that you wanted to face so bad? Who who did oh you pretend God. that you were batting against in the in the backyard and pretending you're about to you know you got one more swing to 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 win the series? Oh, man, this is a tough one because I used to collect baseball cards as a youngster and I, I moved around a lot as a youngster. So I didn't really have a favorite team, but uh, I had favorite players. And most of my favorite players were on that Oakland A's team. So I would say it would have to be Oakland A's. And just for the challenge, uh, Eck, Dennis Eckersley. <laughs> Coming in, coming in right here. Uh, and I'm not sure if people can see it, but coming in on the sidearm, that, that was a matchup that I would love. I would have loved to have faced just because the challenge. It's uh, You got a sidearmer that's just nasty, got movement, knows how to pitch. Woo, I'm, I'm up for the challenge, I hope. <laughs> All right, let's imagine it's a Friday night and been a, been a good week. You're in a good mood. What's on the grill and what's in the glass? Oh, my goodness gracious. We'll start with the glass because that's an easy one. That That's an amaretta sour with two chairs. <laughs> they were like, what's wrong with this guy? Hey, I'm a Kool-Aid kid. I, I don't really drink beer, drink wine. I just like sweet stuff. I'm going to have one amaretta sour, two of those maraschino cherries, and I'm going to be good for the rest of the evening. What's on the grill? Nothing on the grill. I, I, I like my wife. She grills out. I'm not the grill master, not at least in my house, but I love some spaghetti. I, call me simple, but I love my wife. Oh, she she cooks a mean, mean spaghetti. It's sweet. Got the little wine that she mixes in. My wife's from Argentina, so I, I think I alluded. I'm trying to lose weight. Uh, it's an everyday battle. It's uh, I got to pull out the boxing gloves. It's a battle between me and too much food every day and every night. I was going to say, <laughs> if you're from Argentina, she's got to be throwing some provolone on there and some, you know, some, you know, some steak and stuff. I mean, has she tried that new Argentinian food truck that's here in Raleigh yet? Now, what's it called? Do you know the it, name? It's called a, it's Asadita. They're based in Sanford. I'll send you the information for it. They're good. And their chimichurri, I mean, it's homemade chimichurri. I'm, I'm sure she could whip that up. It is, it is good. 
Oh, that's a good one. You're you're gonna give me some brownie points. I appreciate. I tip my virtual cap to you there, <laughs> Jeff. What you got? All right, let's stay on baseball. Bottom of the ninth. You're the pinch hitter. Bases are loaded. What's the walk up song? Oh goodness gracious! Oh we. Uh, I know what it was back in the day, but that that was old school. My walk up song right now. It gets me in the right mindset. It's got to be Pharrell happy. If you can listen to that song, Happy by Pharrell, and not crack a smile, ooh, you're a special someone. You're a savage. That's my walk-up song right there. It's Because, hey, whatever happens, it happens. I'm still going to be happy. Not happy if I strike out. Of course not, but it's all good. Had the opportunity. I'll get them next time. Favorite animal at the zoo? Oh, my goodness gracious. Y'all are throwing some curveballs. I got to say snake. I love snakes. I, I've had a fascination with snakes ever since I was a youngster. I don't know why, but yeah, just uh, I would have to say some sort of, uh, oh, goodness, not a boa constrictor. A, uh, I can't even think of the name. I don't, I don't know. Just any kind of stri- snake. All right. You've referenced Good Times. You've referenced Family Feud. Favorite television show. Oh, that's easy. I wrote a paper. I wrote a term paper on this show. Uh, it's called Martin with Martin Lawrence. <laughs> Martin Lawrence is one of my favorite comedians. That show, oh, I'll never forget. I was cramming as usual. I had to watch the episode probably 20 times. It was, uh, and, and I don't even know how this was a class, but it was an honors class pop culture in america so i had to write a paper on uh it was an album by snoop doggy dog called doggy style uh the sitcom martin it was absolutely amazing i aced the paper because i guess i was a true professional (laughs) or i fooled somebody (laughs) all right the fifth quarter top 25 we'll give you three rapid fire pick a number between one and 25 seven do you sing silly songs to your pets? Ah, oh, oh, you're hurting me. Even though I got the gold mic, nah. If I sing, I'll have everyone crying. And just a sad story, but don't cry for me, Argentina. My dog, his name was Shaq. Uh, we lost him two Februarys ago, and the whole family is ready for a new dog. I'm not ready. I just, uh, we had him for 14 years. He was near and dear to my heart. I think about him all the time. Uh, I love Shaquille O'Neal, so that's why we named him Shaq. He was a little 4.8-pound Pomeranian. He was Brindle. Brindle was the color. He looked like a squirrel, and he used to just shake his tail. He didn't really bark much, but he used to just shake his tail. Nothing but love. So the answer is nah. I don't I don't want to bring a tear to anyone's eye with my singing. I'm tone deaf. I can, I can talk, but I definitely can't sing. <laughs> All right. Appetizer or dessert? Oh, come on now. That's easy. Dessert. I'm a sucker for sweets. What's the go-to? Oh, key lime pie. Love, love, love some key lime pie. Followed closely by the Cheesecake Factory cheesecake. Yeah, you need to, you need me to uh, be a sponsor, Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> All right. Favorite cereal brand? Oh, my goodness. Ooh. Favorite cereal brand, whatever it is, I'm pouring extra sugar into it. I learned that from my dad, but my favorite 
Oh goodness, it's got to be Fruit Loops. Fruit, they should be called Sugar Loops, but yeah, Fruit Loops with extra sugar in there. I try to steer clear of the sugary sweets. I, uh, I've had enough to last a lifetime. Well, you bring the energy. I don't think you need extra sugar, extra anything. And you had so many great tips, you know, just not just sales or teams, but that you can relate to everyday life that you can incorporate. So I thank you. It's been a really fun evening. Thank you, Coach. I appreciate you, Jeff. I appreciate you, Coach Perkins. Coach Perk. Larry, please tell everyone where they can find out more about the book, where they could book you, following you on LinkedIn, where, uh, just the works. Easiest way to find me, if you're on LinkedIn, is LinkedIn. Larry Long Jr. I got the gold mic. I got the smile for a mile, the face for radio. There's no mistake in who I am. Uh, but I also have a website, uh, www.larry. Long Jr. And that's Jr. Larry Long Jr.com. I would love to connect with you. Uh, the book is on Amazon, Jolt uh, by Larry Long Jr. I'm always open to connecting. Please let me know if I can ever assist or serve as a resource. I'm I'm so appreciative to both of y'all for having me on the fifth quarter. <laughs> Larry, thank you again for being a part of this. Thank you.